Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, welcome to our fourth and our final week of Choosing Peace Over Anxiety. And I wish I could say to you, listen, just listen to these four weeks of sermons and you'll never have any problems with anxiety again in your life. But we all know it's not that easy and my preaching isn't that good. So the Apostle Paul says, we're going to see today, he says, I'm going to give you some daily things that help you choose peace over anxiety in your lives. And I'm reminded as we think about this topic, it's a quote from Pastor Craig Rochelle who simply says this, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Show me your thoughts, and I can tell you if you're living a non-anxious life or not. The daily battle, right? It's in our minds, it's in the things that we dwell on and the things that we think about. It is almost impossible to live a positive life with a negative mind. And that's what we want to look at today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. We'll finish up our section. If you're new here at Lex City, again, if you've got your phones, you go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there. You can follow along as we go. Philippians chapter 4. Let me just catch us up. Go back to where we started in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when anxiety raises its ugly head in our lives, what does Paul say? He says, I want you to begin with the thing that we tend to do last. I want you to begin with prayer. Bringing it to the Lord. And we say often around here, right, that prayer changes everything. Changes perspective, changes our feelings, changing our thoughts about these things. And what I love is the idea that science now affirms that, that kind of thought to be ultimately true. Um, it shouldn't surprise us that since God is the God of the spiritual world and our physical world, that our spiritual world can impact our physical world since he is the author of, of both. And modern day science is just catching up to what scripture has been telling us from the very beginning, right? The National Institute of Health reported this, that the act of prayer has been found to lead directly to a lower heart rate, reduced muscle tension, and slower breathing rates. Clinical studies also suggest that prayer may also contribute to the feeling of tranquility, by altering the brain chemistry and structure. Once again, science confirms what God has been telling us all along because he is ultimately the God of science and God of all things, that prayer has benefits for not only our health but our soul, but it actually transforms our mind. In, in the science and medical world, what you'd call this the neuroplasticity. It's this idea that it can make a difference. So let me show you, because this fascinates me, how science in the medical world is just affirming what God has been telling us in the very beginning, that prayer changes everything. Check this out. Not so long ago, many scientists believed that the brain did not change after childhood, that it was hardwired and fixed by the time we became adults. 
But recent advances in only the last decade now tell us that this is simply not true. The brain can and does change throughout our lives. It is adaptable, like plastic. Hence, neuroscientists call this neuroplasticity. How does neuroplasticity work? If you think of your brain as a dynamic, connected power grid, there are billions of pathways or roads lighting up every time you think, feel, or do something. Some of these roads are well-traveled. These are our habits, our established ways of thinking, feeling, and doing. Every time we think in a certain way, practice a particular task, or feel a specific emotion, we strengthen this road. It becomes easier for our brains to travel this pathway. Say we think about something differently, learn a new task, or choose a different emotion. We start carving out a new road. If we keep traveling that road, our brains begin to use this pathway more, and this new way of thinking, feeling, or doing becomes second nature. The old pathway gets used less and less and weakens. This process of rewiring your brain by forming new connections and weakening old ones is neuroplasticity in action. The good news is that we all have the ability to learn and change by rewiring our brains. If you have ever changed a bad habit or thought about something differently, you have carved a new pathway in your brain and experienced neuroplasticity firsthand. With repeated and directed attention towards your desired change, you can rewire your brain. What we focus on creates pathways, right? This is what Romans 12 is saying, right? Transform your mind, uh, be transformed what? By the renewing of your mind, by thinking different. Romans chapter eight, verses five and six. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. What we focus on, what we meditate on. If anxiety is ruling your life, it gives indication of what our mind is set upon, what we're thinking on, what are those pathways that we go. Uh, an anxious person would take Philippians chapter four and look at the last verse and it would say it this way, right? Finally, brothers, however you feel, whatever potentially could go wrong, whatever the news tells us, if there is any pessimism, is there is anything worthy of worry, think, dwell, obsess upon these things, right? The apostle Paul says, Ah, there's a different way to think about this. He says, create a new pathway of thought. Philippians 4, verse 8. Here's the key. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Set your mind on focus on, meditate on those things that are what true and honorable and pure and worthy of praise. So what do you in 2024 need to eliminate from your life that doesn't fall into those categories? I don't know what that is for you. I, I know for me there's a few. Uh, I was thinking about political year, right? Uh, I have to limit the amount of political presidential news that I listen to because I have very strong opinions and convictions and I get anxious 
angry and annoyed and bothered, and my mind does not move to any place that is healthy if I indulge on too much of it. Can you relate to that kind of a feeling? Ah, set my mind. I'm a people pleaser. It's hard, but it's true. There are negative people in my life that I have to create healthy boundaries with. Some I need to unfriend and disconnect. Why? Because they're not bringing what is pure and honorable and helpful in my world, right? You have those same kind of things. In 2024, I'm reminded I've got to pay special attention to what my mind is telling me, what, what I'm thinking about, what I'm dwelling in. What are those little conversations that I'm having when I'm in the car or when I first wake up in the morning or when I'm later on at night and I can't get to sleep? Here's what Paul says. Listen, in those things, you've got to learn what you need to take captive. You've got to learn to replace the lie with the truth. You've got to dwell on those things that are pure and true and honorable. And then he gives us the great application for that. Philippians 4, last part of our section, last verse, verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. What you have heard, Paul says, listen, what I've been teaching you, Here's what you got to do with it. You've got to practice it. You've got to put it into your daily life. You've got to create a discipline or a habit around this. Because you know this, not making a choice to take your thoughts captive in 2024 will just lead you to lead the exact same life you lived in 2023. Paul says you've got to learn this. You've got to apply it in such a way. One of the books that I I read kind of getting ready for our time and our series together, uh, Dr. John Deloney uh, wrote a book uh, dealing with creating a non-anxious life, and he gives six um, daily habits that he says really help us to create peace over anxiety. So let me just kind of share those with you here today and talk a little bit about them. So six things every day. Here's the first one. He says this, choose reality. Acknowledge our fears and our, our failures, right? Acknowledge Reality. Many times, the challenge with anxiety, it's, it's rooted slightly in reality, but it's not the full reality, right? If I, if I lost my job tomorrow and I forgot to pay our insurance and our house burned down and I had nothing, the anxiety would be, I'm going to be homeless. Here's reality. Some of you are so kind and gracious. I think Tammy and I could probably live in your basement for a few weeks or months until we get back, right? That fear is, is, is unfounded on what it was. You have these financial things. Oh, I, this financial choice, it has ruined us forever. Listen, that's not reality. It may have impact for the next three or maybe even five years, but it, it, it is a season of time. It's not reality. Here's what I've learned about anxiety. Anxiety loves to move to extreme thoughts and extreme thinking, Right? Anxiety uses words like always, never, forever. And the challenge is none of those are reality. So first, choose reality, whatever it is. Number, number two, choose connection. Seek, seek out community because anxiety drives us to isolation. That's why at our church, we talk so much about groups, right? We're trying to build really our church around groups, around relationships and connection and doing life together. Why? Because we really truly believe that it's important in your spiritual development, your emotional development, your your mental development, all these things. We were created to do life together in community. And isolation is one of the greatest tricks of the enemy, right? 
Isolation keeps me separate just into my own little world and pretty soon I'm just consumed with my own little universe where I'm the center of all things of anxiety and I just spiral because everything's about me. Have you ever noticed this as you look around our church or work or other places? People who are happy and peaceful are involved in community, right? It's the beauty of it. It reminds me that my thing is not just the only thing in life. It helps me focus on other people and take my attention off yourself. I just encourage you, for those that struggle with this, one of the biggest temptations will be to isolate. The Bible says this, community that's there. Let me give you a third one. Choose freedom. Make small daily decisions that create margin in your calendar, your finances, and your emotional health. Don't allow everybody else to run your life. Right? And everybody else did he tell you what is important to you and what your priorities are and what you should be spending your time and your resources and your calendar time on. I posted a little quote this week that simply said this. Decide what kind of life you really want and then say no to everything that isn't that. Right? When you stand before God someday, what do you want to be true of your life? What do you want to matter? What relationships do you want? Where do you want your finances to go? What time do you want to spend with those that you love and you spend the most time with? Anything that doesn't fall into that moment of standing before God are the things to eliminate from your life. And the challenge is, if you're in McGee, it's all these other things that are putting all the pressure on my current day life that are affecting me from being as effective with the things that truly matter in eternity, right? So just know every day, every week, I'm going to choose the things that I think Value. The things that I know are near and dear to the heart of God, that's where I want to, I'm going to choose freedom in it. Fourth one, choose mindfulness. Be intentional, curious, and present. The goal of these four weeks was not that we would solve all of these things, but it would just remind us to slow down enough to be mindful, to take an account of our emotional well-being. Because we will not naturally gravitate towards peace. Why thousands of years ago did the Apostle Paul have to share the same message that's so true to us in 2024? Because one of the impacts of a fallen sinful nature is that we tend to worry, control, and anxiety comes easy. And Paul says, listen, you will not naturally gravitate towards this. So you need to learn it. This is a fruit of the Spirit in our life. This is evidence of, of Christ being the center of your life and the spirit of God moving in you. One of the fruits is that you have peace within here, so it's a habit to be learned. Fifth one, he says, daily choice. Choose health and healing. I just put it this way. Put your own oxygen mask on first, then you can help care for others. One of the common things that I see from folks I get a chance just to counsel with and we deal a little bit on this area of anxiety is this, that they tend to be fixated on everybody and everything else other than themselves. Their spiritual care, their physical care always takes a back seat to everybody else's daily drama and crisis. Encourage you. Self-care in these things. You will be more effective with the people that are around you, if you take time to spiritually feed yourself and care for yourself. And the last one, the most important, is choose belief that peace is found in a relationship with Jesus. Question, do you interpret your God through your anxiety or your anxiety through your God? See the difference? Are you interpreting who God is 
through what you're experiencing through this anxiety, or you do interpret your anxiety through who you know God to be. And the great reminder is that Jesus is the only hope for the peace that we've been talking about over these few weeks. Remember the very first start, Philippians chapter four, when we started this, Paul says these words. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Why? For the Lord is at hand. For the Lord is near. The Lord understands that he hears you. God desires for you to experience peace in your life. Philippians chapter four, it it starts with this concept, right? Be anxious for nothing. Paul reminds us that this is a natural state that we default ourselves, we find ourselves in, all right? And the challenge is simply this, not that you'll never have anxiety in your life. The challenge is that you won't become a prisoner to that anxiety. And Paul says the way we're gonna do that is we're gonna interject God into the mix of this. And so he starts this way. He says, but with everything, right, with prayer and supplication, make your requests be known to God. And so we start with this part, this big anxiety in our life. So we say, hey, we want to interject God into this. So God, I'm going to pray about this. And here's one of the challenges that we find. We'll pray. I heard this sermon on Sunday. I'm going to pray Sunday afternoon. I'm going to pray Monday. Monday morning, we're praying about this. Tuesday, oh, man, nothing's happened. Nothing's changing. Uh, So all of a sudden, we take back control of this, and what we're reminded in this moment when we want to take control of it is this, that when our anxieties are so big, our God becomes so little, and if we have such a very little view of God, we will take this back in our own anxiety and we'll control, and all of a sudden, we disappear this, and now we're dealing with it, right? That's why we talked about, even last week, with financial peace and the margin there. One of the challenges, I'm in this and I'm struggling. Okay, God, I tried it your way. I tried it like two weeks and it didn't quite work the way I wanted. And so I take it all back and I'm holding this. I've got this relationship that doesn't seem to be moving in the way that I want it to be and how I want it to be. And so, God, I'm going to control it and take it all of a sudden back. And all of a sudden, we begin to see that our anxiety is much bigger than our view of God. And the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, I want to help you change this. See, the key is this, that your God becomes bigger so your anxieties become smaller. And he says, this is how you do this. There's God's part and there's our part. And our part of this is found in the last part that we saw today is in the battle of our mind and our choices. And so Paul says this, if you want to make your anxieties smaller then you gotta look at what you're thinking about and what you're dwelling on and what you're meditating on. And the wonderful promise is that if you'll interpret your anxiety through your God rather than your God through your anxiety, you'll begin to see how good and how big and how much God is in control and can handle your things. And when you begin to focus on that rather than the feelings and the emotions that I feel in the moment, all of a sudden your anxiety becomes smaller and your God becomes bigger. And at the end of Philippians chapter 4, we have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to choose peace over an anxious life. That sounds great, and it's really cute with a little box illustration, but the challenge is, how do we do this every day? The challenge is, sometimes we're really comfortable (laughs) with our anxiety. The challenge is, sometimes we really like the control, 
and we want to handle it and grip it and hold it tight. If we don't change how we think in 2024, we will just relive 2023. So my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is worthy of praise, think, dwell, rewire the pathways of your mind to these things, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds. You know, Jesus modeled this very thing for us. Today, in just a few moments, we're going to take communion together, a time of remembrance. (laughs) And we're going to be remembering those last few hours of the life of Jesus and what that meant for us. Can you remember how Jesus dealt with this very thing? At the moment of greatest worry and concern, and I would say to a degree of anxiety that came, what did Jesus do? He withdrew to the garden to, with everything with prayer and supplication, make your request be known to God. And in the moment in the garden, Jesus prays with an earnestness, with an intensity that the Bible says that he sweat blood. It was an anxiousness, but God, I'm bringing it to you that was there. And so I want to remind you today, as we take communion, when we remember those last few hours, one of the things that it does remind us is through Jesus' death and the shedding of his blood that we have forgiveness of sin. We have peace with God positionally, but we also get to experience the peace of God every day because of what Jesus did. And you have a heavenly father who understands what it means to have anxious moments. Think about these last few hours of Christ's life. We have a heavenly father who understands what it means to be betrayed, to be disappointed, to have people hurt him who should have loved him. He understands what it means to feel all alone. He understands what it means to bear other people's burdens. And in these moments... We have a heavenly father. The Bible says we have a high priest who understands. So we go to God in prayer. When we go to God with our worries, the great part is we have a God who knows and understands and walk these very roads to maybe even more of an intensity than you and I are today. So come to the Lord today as we remember what he's done with gratitude, with an openness, with an appreciation, with a love, with a willingness to say, God, I've got to make my... Worry is low so my God can become bigger. God, I can trust you with these things. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to pray here in just a moment. And uh, the the band just going to play in the background. And we're just going to have a time. Our elders are going to be scattered around the room at these different tables to take the elements with you. And we just want to invite you uh, to just come down. Peace is comfortable with quiet and space. In moments, right? So we want to create that. As you come down, they're going to just take you in groups of six to eight and lead you through a time. So if you're standing in line, just wait for the next group. If you want to stay in your chair, spend some time with the Lord. If you want to come down front and pray during this time, whatever it is, and then we're just going to take these elements together. Because the Lord says, do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance, not only for what God has done, but for what God is doing in your life today. 
that you and I today can have not only peace with God, but the peace of God in our lives if we'll focus on those things that are of him. So I'm gonna pray and then we'll take these moments together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the truth and practicalness of Philippians chapter four, as the apostle Paul says, this is where the battle is won. It's our willingness to choose, to think upon, to dwell upon, to have our minds literally transformed by the truth of who you are and what you have done. And so, Lord, today, as we take the Lord's Supper together, as we remember your body that was broken, your blood that was shed, that we might experience forgiveness and hope and the promise of heaven. But God, today we also remember and we celebrate and we're so grateful for the peace that we can experience today. And so, Lord, today, whatever we're going through, may we be reminded that you are bigger than our circumstances, that you're bigger than our feelings, you're bigger than our fears, that you are the God who not only conquered death, but you conquered the penalty of sin on our behalf. Lord, we love you and we're grateful for this time. In your name we pray, amen. You move as the Lord lays on your heart this morning. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.